This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. James Fetzer, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Oh, Jeremy, you're doing a great job, and I'm glad to be here, aiding and abetting, uh, fighting. Yeah, it's virtually hand-to-hand -hand these days. How's the information war treating you? Well, I'm faring fairly well. I am back at the United States Supreme Court. I have a, a petition for a rehearing where I have loaded it with new evidence, including a series of photographs from inside the Sandy Hook School, that show not only no bodies and no blood, which might not be surprising if you understand it's a drill, but no school desks, no teacher's desks, no flag, no photographs of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. It was an abandoned school, and we have the proof right out of the photo files from the Connecticut State Police. Okay, this so is what? before the United States Supreme Court, Jeremy. This is the wow. most explosive evidence they've ever had. Related when, to Sandy Hook. When? When is the ETA? Well, since it's been docketed, it will be sent to a conference within two weeks. Once they review it in conference, then the following Monday, I will know whether they've accepted it for a hearing by the full court. So I've got absolutely no notes because this conversation is about you and about how you have been censored. Not so. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, after my Sandy Hook book was banned by Amazon, Mike Palachuk, who is my series editor, and I founded Moon Rock Books, now moonrockbooks.com. And of the 12 volumes that have been published by Moon Rock Books, of which I've edited nine, six of them have been banned by Amazon.com. Uh, Jeremy, I think that's the indoor record. Well, start me, start me off somewhere. We have a, a report about how the social media company have been engaged in free speech censorship. And they're doing this, Jeremy, at behest of the government. There's more and more evidence coming out about it, which is a blatant violation of the First Amendment. A decision by the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans handed down on September 16th upholds the constitutionality of a Texas law signed by Governor Abbott delivers a victory to Republicans in their fight against big tent censorship of conservative re viewpoints. Today, we reject the idea that corporations have a freewheeling First Amendment right to censor what people say, said U.S. Circuit Court Judge Andrew Oldham in the opinion. Now, why this is important is because Amazon.com has claimed that as a private company, it has the right to exercise censorship free from the First Amendment. The groups argued private companies like Facebook and Twitter, and I'm now saying Amazon.com, have a First Amendment right to moderate content posted on their platform and to see, decide what forms of speech to allow or to ban. The act tramples the First Amendment by allowing the government to force private businesses to host speech they don't want to, NetChoice said. They argued Texas law not only does not prevent censorship, but allows Texas to police and control speech online, overriding the First Amendment rights of online businesses. This is very serious. 
the implication of the big tech platform's argument are staggering because it would allow entities like social media company banks and mobile phone companies to cancel the accounts of people who express views or spend money in support of political parties or views those corporations oppose. Ken Paxton, who's a Texas attorney general, has declared this is a massive victory for the Constitution and free speech in federal court. Big tech cannot censor the political voices of any Texan. And what I'm doing now, Jeremy, I'm going to go after Amazon.com on these same business principles. Here are, here are the 12 books that we published at Moonrock Books today. And if you look at them, starting, say, on the bottom, America Nuked on 9-11 is available on Amazon, but not Sandy Hook. We've discussed it. Not the Boston Bombing Book. We've discussed it. Not even the Moon Book. Though that appears because of the inclusion of a section about the Holocaust there, just a superb collection which deserves a whole show on its own. Not the Orlando to Dallas book. Not right above it, the sh- the, the the political theater in Charlottesville book or over on the far left of Parkland Buzzle, how the pieces fit together, they banned six books. And today I want to review the content of four of those books plus Las Vegas, on which I prepared a book that has yet to be published, but where you'll be blown away by how it's been misrepresented to the public. Wow. <laughs> okay, so start me on the journey, Jim. Here we go. Here we go. Boston bombing anomalies. If you zoomed in through the smoke, there were bodies missing arms and legs, but there was no blood. It only shows up later, and it's fake Hollywood blood. It came out of tubes, I thought initially, but it turns out came out of small orange duffel bags. They used amputee actors in a Hollywood-style smoke machine. This is a Boston bombing germ, and here I am. I, I was an artillery officer in the Marine Corps, and this explosive was like a puff bomb. It wasn't powerful enough to kill anybody unless perhaps you were sitting right on top of it. Now, as you peered in through the smoke, you saw bodies lying there. But if you look at that guy with a hoodie right there over on the left, it's very, very interesting, the sequence. Even as the smoke clears, what he's doing is attaching a fake bone prosthesis to the leg of an amputee actor. Do you see it sticking up to make it appear more horrific? Yes. But notice there is no blood. Now, it, it's physiologically impossible to have arms and legs blown off by explosives and there to be no blood. In fact, the blood only showed up later. And you notice it's Hollywood blood, fake blood. Now, you see that fake bone extension there. Of the, of the crisis actor almost in the middle of the screen. You see real blood from Cairo turning dark. This is Hollywood blood. And look in the foreground, that little orange duffel bag, Jeremy. There are half a dozen of those spread around after the event because that they contain the fake blood. What they did was to use fake actors, amputee actors, this guy who is known as Jeff Bauman, is actually Nick Voigt, a former Army officer who lost his legs in Kandar, Afghanistan, with a 1st Striker Brigade, 25th Infantry Division, back in November of 2011. I mean, it's stunning stuff. <laughs> more, more, oh, yeah, if you have questions on any of the segments, they didn't, you, you see, 
they wouldn't even allow physicians, Jeremy, to come forward. Honest to God, physicians. The cops there were keeping them away because it would have exposed the hoax. So this is a guy who was just one of the crisis actors. They put him in a wheelchair. See that fellow in the upper left with a cowboy hat? Yes. His name is uh, Carlos Arredondo. He's actually an actor. A Hollywood producer explained to me how he had cast Carlos Arredondo in one of his films. So he's just standing by to play a role here. And then they went about framing two young men because I think they were Muslim and they had relations with Chechnya. Kraft International actually were on the scene. These were the parties who really planted the bombs. The Saranaw brothers were photoshopped into the video footage. The perpetrators are obvious with abundant and compelling proof. The backpacks don't match. In an amicus brief has been accepted. Let me explain. Remember with OJ, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Well, in this case, if the backpacks don't match, they didn't do it. Now, here are the brothers, the older Tamerlan and the younger Zoker. And what I learned from his aunt is that this is a photographed image. Why? Because Tamerlan had a beard. Look at this. She sent me photographs. Here he's lying in bed with his cat. He's got a beard. Here are the actual perps. These are the Kraft International players in khaki trousers, black jackets. They had black baseball caps with a skull insignia. Look over on the left. Notice the black backpacks they're wearing with a white square. You can see there. Those were the backpacks that exploded. So here you see them. They go to the location where the bombs are set off, and then they turn around and run away, no longer carrying the backpack. Here, however, is when they photoshopped the young men into the video. They made a mistake. Look at Tamerlan higher up. He's got a big, baggy, kind of grayish backpack, but it's nowhere near the same size. And look at Zoker in the foreground. He's got a silver backpack. There's no possible way it was the same as the backpacks that exploded, one of which is on the right. What was a black compact backpack with that white square sewn on it. Uh, Jeremy, I mean, this is embarrassingly bad how it was done and how they were framed. Meanwhile, there, there are plenty who knew that they were being framed. Believe it or not, from the very beginning, police on bullhorns were calling out, this is a drill. This is a drill. The Boston Globe was even tweeting that a demonstration bomb would be set off during the marathon. Judy Clark, who is Zucker's defense attorney, all pleading, while pleading him not guilty, nevertheless declared in her opening statement, they did it. Even the Supreme Courts of Massachusetts of the United States knew it. Let me explain. Here's from a video, and you can hear in the background, this is a drill. This is a drill. We got others who were there reporting on how the police were claiming, you know, explaining to them it was a drill, not to be concerned. Look at this. The Boston Globe was even tweeting that police will have a controlled demolition on the 600 block on Boylston Street. Then another. There will be a controlled explosion opposite the library within one minute as part of bomb squad activities. And exactly a minute later, one of the bombs go off across the street from the public library. Now, Zoker was eventually found hiding in a boat. They had a confession. You can see it on the right. It was all perfectly parallel lines, very nicely composed. 
But notice from the tear, this was on the curved surface of a fiberglass boat. And Jeremy, just to illustrate the absurdity, in order to write on fiberglass, you have to have a special implement. Do you imagine Zoker just happened to be carrying the kind of special implement he needed to write on a fiberglass boat? <laughs> this is completely phony fake, completely phony. And yet Judy Clark, and they use her over and over again as a cleanup to cover over these fake shootings, is in violation of the code of ethics for attorneys conducting trials, the first principle of which they shall employ for the purpose of maintaining the causes confided to the members, such means only as are consistent with truth. And here she knows they're innocent, but she declares in her opening statement they did it. Should not seek to mislead the judge, judicial officer, or jury by an artifice or false statement of fact or law, and yet she made them repeatedly, and she has done so in other courts of law. I wrote to the California bar about Judy Clark violating oath of office, and they dismissed it. And how do we know these courts know? Because I was represented by an attorney, a retired professor of law, John Remington Graham, who resides in Canada, before the Massachusetts Supreme Court and before the Court of the United States. This is the amicus brief submitted on behalf of James Fetzer, Ph.D., Mary Maxwell, Ph.D., LLB, and Caesar Marusha, M.D., in support of the respondent, where we pointed out that the backpacks do not match, and therefore he cannot be guilty of the crime. These are the four photographs that were included in the appendix to our brief. Jeremy, this is bad. They went ahead nevertheless, even though the Massachusetts Supreme Court had acknowledged to former professor uh, Jack Graham that they had the evidence and would take it into account. They ought to have dismissed the charges because he and his brother were not guilty. This is just shocking. All this evidence now is in my Boston bombing book, which, of course, therefore, Amazon had to ban. <laughs> of, of course. I mean, it's simply stunning. If we take a look at Orlando, this is another obvious case of how it's done, of how they fake these events. Get this, Jeremy. A permit for the club had expired three years earlier. The club was repainted black when it had been white to show it was closed. It had a legal occupancy of 150, but they claimed over 300 were alleged to be there and just noticed they would have been packed in like sardines. Crisis actors in Orlando were all abundant and there was no billing for medical services because no medical services were rendered. Take a look at this. This is a club when it was still open. It only had 11 parking spaces. And as I observed... Sorry, Jim, can I, can I stop you just for yeah. a moment? Please, will you, please would you mind refreshing my memory about this particular incident? I, I, I've, I've, I'm running a blank. This was a mass shooting that was supposed to be of uh, 50 at this club who were gay. It was a gay club. It was a celebrated because this was supposed to be an anti-gay act of violence. But it was completely manufactured, Jeremy. No one was killed. No one, uh, so far as I can tell, no one was even in the club at the time this event was supposed to have taken place. 
When what, was this? What? Oh, 2018, I think. Okay. Uh, oh, we got it. We probably got a doc in here that'll reflect the date. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here, here, they claimed that they were locked in and there were no exits, but actually, they, the the club had eight different exits. They claimed there were 50 dead and 50 injured with one shooter. I mean, none of this added up. They claim some of them hid in the men's bathroom. This is ridiculous. It's a gay club. You'd wonder why they even bothered to have a woman's bathroom. But the fact is they claim there were no exits when there were plenty of access. Look at the main dance floor now. It had 150 legal occupancy. Now, this is supposed to be video at the club. And what I want you to notice especially, there are parts that have date timestamps and parts that do not. And among them, you'll see dancing at the club, but they're all widely spaced out, which is inconsistent with the scenario. Let's take a look. So here you can see what's supposed to be. This is coming into the entry. This is innocuous, insignificant. Here they are dancing at the club. Look how much room there is, how much they are spaced out. And notice there's no date timestamp here. There is no date timestamp. This could have done anytime, anywhere. This is from the outside, and now we do have a date timestamp, but it's just vehicles pulling up. It's got no particular evidential value other than that some vehicles were pulling up. Now, there were only 11 parking spaces, and if you had 300 there, then there would have been abandoned cars all over the place. This is supposed to be the shooter looking for his targets. But again, no date time stamp. This is now switching. This is supposed to be the police coming in. There is a date time stamp. But there were no abandoned vehicles when they should have been everywhere if you had so much. Again, this is really completely contrived. This is just phony footage. It's not the only instance we're going to examine of footage that was put together to deceive and mislead the public about what was going on. Again, once you have police vehicles pull up, you can have lots of video of police vehicles. Well, where are these 300 persons that are supposed to have been everywhere? You never see them because they didn't actually exist. It's really embarrassing, some of these, when you look at the details, Jeremy, how bad it is. So, of course, when I have a book that explaining that Orlando is also a sham, needless to say, <laughs> Amazon's going to ban it, ban it, too. Here you had some crisis actors. Let me show you how bad it is. They were carrying somebody, and I, this may have been a real person, because once they got a what they thought was out of the camera angle, they put him down, and he did a little jig. They'd done their part. But notice the oddity. They're carrying the body toward the Pulse Club, which now, as you can see at the bottom, has been painted black because it's no longer open. There are a lot of very bad crisis actors in Orlando. Harrison Hanks has done a brilliant spoof on the crisis actors, including in Orlando. Nevertheless, they had the shooter's father, who turns out to be an FBI informant, told authorities they were investigating his son, Omer Mateen, before the attack that uh, uh, pro-terror comments the would-be gunman made to co-workers were just examples of him being stupid. They're trying to create a backstory here to make it 
sound as though there were clues that he might do something absurd like this. And what do we have here? Oh, check this out. This is Harrison Hanks. Stand by. Are you an elite? Are your staged attacks not going as planned? Are your globalist agendas failing because you're using subpar crisis actors? Well, then look no further. Hi, I'm Harrison Hanks, the ultimate crisis actor. In medical doctor? <laughs> In 18 years as a medical examiner, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's over the top. 33 children died. Do you need a grieving husband? Did a right-winger set off a bomb? Well, yeah, I was just milling about it, and I had a massive explosion. And I'm your man. Tired of melodramatic acting? There's light away from the darkness. I'm just trying to figure out if he's okay. I lost my 20-year-old, but I had 20 years with my son. It's just tragedy. Horror and tragedy. Or maybe you need me to tone down my good acting to match your sorry lot of wannabes. In that case, I can go from this. My name is Bobby Palmer. My family's one of the families that lost a child. To this. My name is Bobby Palmer. My family's one of the families that lost a child. Going for the guns takes subtlety, like this. I don't know how many more need to die before the president does something. Not this. Dad, <laughs> please, could we do something with the assault weapon? And every one of those hands is a reason why those weapons should not be out in the general public. Because in this kind of a situation, what, what has changed? Have we learned nothing? Tired of green screen mishaps and disappearing noses? Me too. Okay, you type Okay, I just... Is there anything else you want to say? I'm green screen ready, bonded, and insured. I can morph into a thousand different faces. I offer reasonable rates, and I have no conscience. Just pick your card to play on the world stage. From homeless to police officer, doctor to witness, to your ace card, the grieving father. You can count on Harrison Hanks to push through your agenda. Regain their trust. Call Harrison Hanks for all your crisis needs. Thank you. Good luck. But, Jim, that's obviously satire. He, Yeah, sure, he's brilliant. I've interviewed him, Jeremy. He's wonderful. He's a brilliant satirist, and he is an actor, and he's just showing a send-up, and some of that footage was actually from Orlando. Some of it was from Sandy Hook. Those were real fake crisis actors who were putting it on. Now, if we turn to uh, uh, Parkland, we had miracle recoveries from serious wounds, Notice the body with no arms lying in a pool of fake blood. Police officers carrying out a girl with no apparent injuries. A girl with an iPod with another worried about her bottled water. Parkland gave up his police force in 2004. And yet you have all these officers rushing in and out of this classroom. They are actors pretending to be cops. Here's something they forgot to do at Parkland, Jeremy. 
The event was on the 14th of February, 2018. That was Valentine's Day. They actually sent the 3,500 students home at 1 o'clock because it was a holiday. But after the event, they forgot to put up the obituaries. Alice Levinson's an 84-year-old woman who did not attend Parkland High School. And what do we have? We have footage about 57 seconds inside a classroom. And look at this. They're using a training dummy, a black training dummy with no head and no arms on a pool of fake blood, just like we saw in Boston. Watch this. Now I'm going to pay it again and notice how you want one girl's on her iPod. I mean, this is an emergency situation. You wouldn't think she'd be messing with her iPod. And others worried about her bottled water. You got a kid pulling his pots. You got a student walking out there holding his arm who's obviously not wounded. You got a cop carrying a girl that's not even injured. And then you had all these running in and out in police uniforms. But while you might think the Parkland cops are really Johnny on the spot, Parkland had long since given up his police force. Those were actors in police uniforms. Check it out once again. <laughs> All completely fake. Here you had a student, uh, a, a Kelsey friend, who survived the massacre. And what does Kelsey friend have to say about it? She said, it was like a movie. It looks so real, but it felt so fake. Kelsey got it exactly right, Jeremy. Here's more about Parkland, the non-injured students. With AR-15 wounds that healed miraculously rapidly. It was done using fake bullets. This is called simunition that stings like a bee. It's made out of laundry detergent and beeswax. It'll create a welt in the skin, but it will not penetrate. They got a fake doctor claiming these are serious wounds from large caliber bullets. He couldn't, Sheriff Israel couldn't let the deputies in because they might shoot the shooter. They had a fake shooter using a sim gun to fire simunition. 
Here you got the fake doctor, Dr. Nitsha Perenko, saying the wounds on Maddie Wilford's chest and abdomen had already healed. Now get this. She's supposed to have been shot in the chest and abdomen with an AR-15. It's a high velocity. If you're hit in the chest or the abdomen, you're dead. And how does he cover it up? They've already healed. This is just days after the event. He says young people have a tendency to heal very fast. (laughs) A a bullet wound on her upper arm, which had injured two tenants, would take more time. This is ridiculous. Now listen to this. She's very, very lucky, Dr. Nitsha Perenko said, we're talking about large caliber bullets penetrating through the chest and abdomen. Those are serious injuries, except the AR-15 fires a 223 caliber, just slightly larger than a 22 caliber. It isn't large caliber at all. And if she had been penetrated in the chest and abdomen, they're fatal, not merely serious injuries. She would be dead. He said, nevertheless, he believed Maddie would be physically ready to return to school next week and probably make a full recovery. From an Aero 15. (laughs) This is just so absurd, Jeremy. (laughs) I'm so grateful to be here, and it wouldn't be possible without those officers first responding to these amazing doctors. So here you see the AR-15. Notice at the bottom of the cartridge is a two-two-three Remington. It's a small caliber, not a large caliber. So the doctor doesn't even know enough to get it right. Here's Samantha Fuentes. She was only released from the hospital is walking and being interviewed by reporters after only one week. And her two legs now require only band-aids for those AR-15 wounds. And apparently (laughs) she had to wait 30 minutes in her classroom before SWAT officers arrived. Lucky for her, she didn't bleed out and die. She's all over the news with her statement about Trump having given her a phone call. Just Google her name, New York Times, anti-Trump, Samantha Fuentes, see today. Look, even the New York Times printed about the the grisly effects. Look at the left, how the leg is completely shattered by hit by an AR-15. This is just ridiculous. Here you have a Florida student. Guess what she works in? She said... She was in Holocaust class when the guns went off. In Holocaust class. This is just one more case of overplaying your hand. (laughs) Meanwhile, this is simunition, as I observe, made out of beeswax and laundry detergent. Will not penetrate the skin, but will create a welt. This is the guy who is using a sim gun to fire the simunition. According to the official timeline, by the way, the the shooter, Nicholas Cruz, within two minutes and 33 seconds after being dropped off at the curb by an Uber, uh, walked in over to the the get dressed and all this equipment where in the world he would have got it as anyone's guess. Seen by teacher Stacy LaBelle as dressed all in this SWAT garb, helmet, face mask, bulletproof armor with a face mask. Who could anyone tell who it was? So we're to believe in the space of two minutes, 33 cents, that Nicholas Cruz managed to walk from the curb where the Uber driver had dropped him off to the east stairwell, put on full metal garb of helmet, face mask, and bulletproof armor, and begin shooting. If you believe that, then you must also believe in the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus. This is just embarrassingly bad. Then we have Parkland issues of space and time. Where were Nicholas Cruz and David Hawk? 
the very same person cannot be in two places at the same time. Cruz can't have pulled the fire alarm after he left the campus. Hogg can't have been at home and at the school at the same time. Get this. Numerous stories from Fox have reported Nicholas Cruz pulled a fire drill at 2.30 to draw students out with the official timeline, so he left the building by 2.21 before the fire drill was pulled. Here you have various uh, students, including David Hogg. Now, this was an interview after he'd spoken at the March for Our Lives in Washington, D.C., where he explained that he'd gone home because everyone had been let out early, and then he realized something was going on at the school. He got on his bike to ride back to be a participant in the fake drill. 39 days, how Parkland shooting survivor turned their grief into action. Six hours after the rally, get this, Delaney Tars questioning him. It wasn't even like an intentional, we all, well, this is a fellow student, we all grouped together. We all had these different things we were saying and different things we were doing that people were responding to. It was just kind of a natural push to get us to come together and for us to become like a united force. Now listen to David Hogg, who's a son of an FBI agent, who appears to have graduated from uh, Laguna Hills High School already, then come to Parkland to be a spokesperson on the day of the shooting. I got my camera and got on my bike and rode as fast as I could three miles from my house to the school to get as much video and get as many interviews as I could because I knew this could not be another mass shooting. I think it meant this could be another mass shooting, but he was already home. Why was he home? Because they'd already let the students go. Here's part of Hogg's original filming. This is all very fake. So right now we're in a school. An active shooter. It's not a drill. This is not a school. And it's currently. Hello. It's 2.52. Where are you I heard, gun, I heard one gunshot. Oh, we thought it was a drill initially, but it's oh. not. At around 2.30, we heard a gunshot from my AP environmental science class, and we initially thought it was a drill, and then we heard multiple, we heard more gunshots, and that was when we realized this was not a drill. This was life or death. So, it's now 3.13, and we've heard supposedly it's a senior, not confirmed at all. The seniors believed to be named Nick Cruz, but this has not been confirmed. This is the latest information that we have, though. We still believe that the person has been uh, neutralized, but we're still currently on lockdown. Um, we're on lockdown because there was an active shooting. We thought it was a fire drill and went outside, and then people started running because there were shots. I didn't hear them personally, and then I started running. So, once my phone hits 30, I'm done So, what's your message? Um, I really don't think there's anything new to say, but there shouldn't have to be, because if you looked around this closet and saw everyone just hiding together, you would know that this shouldn't be happening anymore, and that it doesn't deserve to happen to anyone, and that no amount of money should make it more easily accessible to get guns. Um, and that's that. That's right. It shouldn't be happening. Let's take their guns. Now... Not long thereafter, a few weeks, they held a March for Our Lives in Washington, D.C. But it turns out to have an event in Washington, D.C. that closes the roadways. You have to submit a permit 180 days in advance, six months in advance. What that means is, back in October, they were already permitting for the March in Our Lives that they would claim was inspired by the shooting on Valentine's Day, which wouldn't occur for five more months. 
protocols require a letter of intent at least six months prior to the event. Officer Scott Earhart confirmed it had been months in the planning. A formal permit, however, may have been issued on 13 March 2018. FOIA request revealed the March for Our Life plan months before the shooting. Dr. Ewan done excellent work on all of this. On March 24, 2018, one month and 10 days after the February 14th shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, student-led pro-gun control March for Our Lives demonstration took place across America, including in Washington, D.C. The word our in March for Our Lives refers to students. But it turns out that in reference to your inquiry concerning the March for Our Lives demonstration here in the District of Columbia on March 24, 2018, Metropolitan Police Department received a permit application several months prior to the actual event. And there was several months of planning for this large event. So this is proof positive right there that the whole thing was staged and phony for political purposes. In fact, it turns out that Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's from uh, Broward County, was uh, head of the DNC at the time and very worried that because of the M1, Irwan, M1 scandal in Congress, where she allowed her Pakistani tech guy to spy on the members of Congress with her authority, they were going to lose as many as 11 House seats in Florida alone. So they had to improvise. Here you see, if you're interested in a special event in Washington, D.C., you see the, the timeline here on the left. Need to close the district roadway for a special event? Follow these steps. The MSETG planning guide for details, that's a mayor's special event task group planning guide for details. Submit a letter of intent for presentation of event proposal to the mayor's special event task force no later than 100 days prior to the proposed event date, which they did. Here, Earhart, he was trying to cover his ass now. It actually was the case that initially gave an honest report, but then he appears to have discovered he'd made a mistake. He says, not the March for Our Lives now. He says, March for Our Lives was issued March 13th thought they were talking about the March for Life pro-life rally in January. Well, no. Notice, if you will, go back here. He talks specifically about the March for Our Lives demonstration in the District of Columbia on March 24, 2018. So there's no room for ambiguity. Meanwhile, I have a screenshot of his email. I removed the cell number, but the office number is the same. His mail back to me reads as follows. That is incorrect. Permit was issued on March 13th, and planning began thereafter. In other words, he blew it with the original. Here are a couple of comments. Common sense would dictate it would be impossible to get all the stage in the Soros bus and all the, the, the toiletry, you know, the porta potties catering if it was March 13th. Local festivals usually have people working virtually around the clock on a full-time basis to produce a once-a-year event. Do you think an event at this event was planned in mere days uh, is insane? Who had planned without a permit? It seems the officer in question changed his story because someone in the world was bugging him. And of course, the evil ones would know. Another, just from personal experience, it takes several months to plan for parades, marches, fundraisers, and like events. 
I'm also referring to ones that are much smaller. Don't let this one slip away. I also found it odd that in the reply, it read March 13th, but without a year unprofessional. Maybe a phone call is needed to authenticate who you're sending emails to, but the first one was authentic. Here's another reply where he claims he confused March for Our Lives with March for Life on 16 January, but he refers to March for Our Lives by name and date 24 March in the original, making this explanation completely indefensible. I am sorry, but Officer Earhart has now turned into a second-rate liar for corrupt politicians. That bad. And here again, I reiterate how they forgot to post the obituaries. Only Alice Levinson, alas, 84 years old, obviously not a student. The question becomes who profits from the false flag event? What was the Parkland political agenda? Well, the shooter was wearing a mega hat in a symbolic high school setting, or so they present him. I actually think that was Photoshop. Immediate calls for gun control to affect the political narrative. Changing the narrative from the DNC, DWS, FBI collusion scandals. That's DWS, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, DNC. We're talking about her allowing her tech guys to spy on Congress. Here we have comments. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas was an American journalist, writer, feminist, and environmentalist known for her staunch defense of the Everglades against efforts to drain it. Get that, Jeremy. Trump wanted to drain the swamp. Well, Marjorie Douglas was opposed to draining the swamp. You think they're telling us something here? And reclaim it for land development. What the F drain the swamp, President Trump? God bless you and everyone fighting for good. Yes, it appears this school was chosen for the symbol embedded within its name. Sick people indeed. Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz was on TV with the governor and the police chief. She loves this publicity. It's her district. She needs to be arrested for ordering the murder of Seth Rich in the A1 espionage conspiracy. Trump needs to send her to Gitmo right now. Moreover, Valentine's Day massacre. Here's why the Florida high school mass shooting was a false flag black operation. Immediate demand for gun control. All the usual Democrats who have attempted to gut the Second Amendment over many years were tweeting the urgency of stripping Americans of the right to bear arms while the crime scene was in the early stages of investigation. False flag proof. The following mainstream video indicates the accused shooter was talking to a teacher when shots were actually being fired in the school video. Check this link to download and watch. Timing. It's too perfect not to be a false flag operation executed to deflect attention from the Democrats' unprecedented spat of serious scandals. It was also designed to take away the guns this year, which the Dems cannot do fast enough. They know that at least half of the U.S. citizenry is on to their stealthy and surreptitious purple revolution. And they can see the torches and pitchforks and guns slowly approach their sanctuary cities. New insider book reveals Hillary Clinton made up Russia story to cover up lazy, pathetic election loss, gun control via shock and all. Ever since Obama first took office, there's been a steady stream of mass shootings right up to this very day. In this manner, the behind-the-scene perpetrators are constantly applying Chinese water torture 
to the American consciousness. With each successive school shooting, more parents are fearful about the plight of their children. After all, you never know when and where the government's next mind-controlled terrorist will strike. The globalists believe it's only a matter of when a critical mass of citizens will rise up and demand the outline and subsequent confiscation of guns. Any populace, no matter how aware they are of the true backstory, would likely give in to this tactic. However, with the internet running at full 24-7, the ruling elites greatly underestimate the resolve of the patriot movement. And by the way, Barack Obama nullified the Smith-Mutt Act of 1948, which precluded the use of the same techniques of propaganda and disinformation, including paid riots, phony staged events abroad within the United States. But he made it legal by the Smith-Mutt Modernization of Act of 2012, just in time to bring a Sandy Hook. Now, here's a story about the, the shooting from Yosushi Shimatsu on Rants. The Congress, Congresswoman from Broward County, Florida, had this to say in the wake of the school massacre in her district. We must do something about this senseless epidemic of gun violence, and we must do it now. Her message is clear. Gun control is a prime issue for the midterm elections in Florida, where 11 Democrat-held seats have been up for grabs due to the M1 Awan spy scandal in the U.S. House of Representatives. The main sponsor for the Pakistani computer service team that gained real-time access to classified files was the same congresswoman from Broward County, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, head of the DNC at the time of the gunshot murder of Seth Rich, and mysterious death of lawyer Sean Lucas, along with the cowling of several other DNC foes who wanted to expose the sham of giving the nomination to Hillary Clinton when Bernie Sanders had actually won 13 primaries. The modus operandi behind the Parkland shooting cast further suspicion onto DWS, heiress of the retirement home of former murder incorporated bookkeeper and mafia boss Meyer Lansky. Broward is Mob County, site of the Gulfstream race tack of casinos and recruitment ground for Lansky's attempt to gain control of regain control of his Havana casinos in that ill-fated adventure known as the Bay of Pigs invasion. So who profits from the false flag event promoting the political agenda more? Guess who organized the extensive student anti-gun activities? Massive public relations campaign to promote voter registration for the DNC. March for Our Lives was a DNC DWS Hollywood production. Guess who organized? Get this. Mainstream media praised the students in Parkland for their ability to organize gun control activism on a national level with a march, a mass school walkout, raising a million dollars from George Clooney and Oprah. In truth, De Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz lobbied the Florida State Legislature, the teachers' unions providing the buses, and Michael Bloomberg and the women's march groups are organizing the upcoming March for Our Lives, MoveOn.org is promoting the project on social media, and training for student activists is provided by federally funded Planned Parenthood. Except for David Hogg, the crisis actor who was set up as a student spokesman for this group, the kids have no idea what's going on. 
And here you see who Debbie Wasserman reached out to. Uh, this is a woman, Rita Katz, who produces Dancing with the Stars on television. So the National School Walkout was organized by a TV producer who'd also produced the Women's March. Anguished students take aim at gun laws in the next election. Here's more of the propaganda they were deriving. Charlie Goodman looked at the massive crowd around him, the largest youth-led protest in Washington since the Vietnam War era. He listened to people speak about toughening gun laws. They included some of his peers at the Florida High School who sparked this movement, as well as a nine-year-old granddaughter of the Reverend Martin Luther King. Look at all the products they had there, Jeremy. How long do you think it would take to manufacture and produce all these T-shirts, different logos? They had coffee cups. They had the whole bit. They had major acts there. Just, do you think that could have been done within only weeks after the shooting? Of course not. Here's proof positive this whole thing was rigged and manufactured. And we happen to have a former Supreme Court Justice, John Paul Stephen, calling for the repeal of the Second Amendment as an 18th century relic. Jeremy, I can't begin to tell you how political these shootings are. They're all fake. They're all staged. They're run by the Department of Homeland Security and the communities that participate are given big bucks, lots and lots of money. I'm talking about $100 million or more. Gee, how do you... How do you even begin to navigate? I mean, when something like this comes out, well, I mean, what what says to you? Hold on, I need, I need to double check that. Did you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I heard the question. I did, Jeremy. Yes, yes, yes. Well, when we get a suspicious case, and it's usually pretty obvious because there are blatant anomalies. Uh, uh, I bring together groups of experts to sort things out. And the key aspect is separating the authentic evidence from the fabricated. Once you do that, the cases sure. tend to fall yeah. into place. But look how collective. This was collaborative research in all these cases, all these books. I bring together groups of experts, just as I did with Sandy Hook. Thirteen experts, including six PhDs, where we established that the school had been closed by 2008, mm. that there were no students or teachers there, and that it was a FEMA drill presented as mass murder to promote gun control. And now we have further proof from the Connecticut State Police files inside the school where not only are there no bodies and no blood in the hallways or the classrooms, but there's not any of the school equipment you'd need if it were actually an operating school. No student deaths. They'd all been sold off for on the cheap. No, no, no teacher desk. No American flag. No photographs of famous presidents like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. In other words, not only is it not a crime scene, it's clearly not even an educational scene either. So the proof is continuing to accumulate, and I now have this evidence before the United States Supreme Court. And that's why Amazon, for example, censors you, because they don't want this information to get out. Oh, absolutely, because then the American people would catch on to what's going on. I mean, look at this. Here's this guy, you know, 
Instagram posts of Florida school shooting suspect who wore a Trump Make America Great Again hat, right? It's just like we're hearing about the situation of uh, Paul Pelosi in California, which is phony as a $3 bill. They have massive security. It's a $6 million home. He, he, he calls in in distress to say there's a man in his house seemingly not knowing their identity. And then he adds his name is David and he's a friend. The police came to the house and while the district attorney says only the two of them were at home, it was a third party who allowed the police in. She's saying we have no reason to believe they knew each other, Par Pelosi and David DePoe. And yet Pelosi had identified him when he first called in. So you got the district attorney of San Francisco lying blatantly to the public about a case of a gay lover's spat. In fact, David DePue has said they were having gay sex using a sex toy that shaped like a hammer that, that you can buy on Amazon for 95 bucks. I've tracked it down. They were using this sex toy on one another when they had an argument about drugs, according to David DePue, and they had a falling out. And he apparently hit him on the head with a hammer. That's the name <laughs> of the sex toy. It's shaped like a hammer, Jeremy. And then Pelosi, to try and make it look as though there were a break-in, broke out a window at the back of the house. But the glass is on the outside, when if it had been a break-in, it would have been on the inside. So that Pelosi was not only treated at the hospital for this skull fracture, it's like being hit over the head with a heavy flashlight, but also for injuries to his hand and arm. He evidently cut himself pretty badly when he broke out the glass pane to fake it having been a break-in. But would you believe he's not even being charged with breaking and entering because there was no breaking and entering and the police are no longer talking about him having broken in because it didn't happen. This was a friend of Paul Pelosi. This was a gay sex spat. They had an argument that went astray, and they're doing everything they can to cover it up. Meanwhile, let me take it to Charlottesville. This is really stunning. They claim there was this assault using a, a vehicle running into a crowd. We'll get this. Two cars plus two drivers plus two takes equals totally fake. Two cars were involved, both Dodge Challengers, one with a black stripe, one without. One had a sunroof, one without. There were two drivers, <clears throat> a, a schizophrenic by, na- by the age of 20, who is supposed to have been the, the, the perpetrator, but the driver actually was an age 32 military veteran who commands a battalion of reservists in Ohio. There were two takes. One with one car and no vans, another with one car and two vans. This was another stage event to manipulate the public for political purposes. Look at this. Here are the two vehicles. Notice the one with racing stripes on the right, the one on the left without racing stripes. One had a sunroof, one did not. Here are the two drivers. On the left, you see the actual driver in the car when this was taking place. On the right, you see the, the the guy who commands a battalion of reservists in Ohio, who is a real driver, and below the diagnosed schizophrenic who is convicted in a court of law for the crime, who bears no resemblance whatsoever. And look at this. This is one of the crashes. Notice these two vans were parked there for several minutes before this event, Jeremy. 
There's no driver in either of the vans. They were just parked there so they wouldn't get whiplash, <laughs> injure their neck. It, I mean, it's unbelievable, Jeremy. And when this guy backed out, I was astonished. He showed the skill of a NASCAR driver. I was blown away. Now, here you see the two different takes. The one on the right with the two different vehicles and the one on the left. Notice no vehicles whatsoever, none at all. And then you have the New York Times publishing. All of a sudden, you got a Toyota pickup. And you got a couple of stunt drivers flying <laughs> through the air to get this sensational effect. Real attack, perhaps, or talented acrobats and a bunch of flying sneakers used to stage a video. Notice how lean and fit the two somersaulting pedestrians are. And note the occult numerology in the license plate. One, 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 one. Car hits crowd after white nationalist rally in Charlottesville ends in violence. The New York Times which is nothing but a propaganda piece for the Democrat Party. We even had the NTSB claiming, by the way, that two Virginia state troopers were killed in a crash of a helicopter they were using to conduct surveillance related to the events taking place in Charlottesville. They were identified uh, uh, by name. Uh, we had Lieutenant H.J. Cullen and Trooper Pilot J.M. Bates both killed in the crash. Notice... From an official report about the event, they talk about Colin and Bates being killed at the event. Well, guess what? We have photos and imagery of them walking away from the crash. This is very surprising, since we have photographs of the troopers departing the scene of the crash, wearing their flight uniforms and very much alive. That the NTSB should be participating in this event does not surprise me since they covered up the causes of the death of Senator Paul Wellstone, his wife, daughter, and three aides and their two pilots on 25 October 2002, as John P. Costello, Ph.D., and I explained in the NTSB failed Wellstone in the From the Wilderness newsletter. We have proven that government agencies are participants in these events to promote a political agenda or cover up crimes. There you see photographs of the two cops there in the lower left photographs of the two cops in the lower left there. And and here we have here we have actual video footage. Video footage. I think I can get it to play. Maybe not. Video footage where you can see them walking away. It's these two guys, there's no doubt about it. And Jeremy, just to show you how blatant it is, how much they fake it. This is the mother of a woman named Heather Heyer, who's supposed to have died in that car crash, but actually she died the following day of a heart attack. Her name's Susan Bro. But have we not seen this woman before? Compare with the Sandy Hook mother. We let the two images overlap each other, change the transparency. It's a perfect match. So it seems that Susan Bro, the mother of Heather Heyer, and Donna Soto, who's supposed to be the mother of Vicky Soto, a teacher who's supposed to have died at Sandy Hook, is one and the same crisis actor. Jeremy, how bad is this? How bad is this? Gee. So yeah. what, what can we learn from this? Well, that they're so arrogant because they know they control the media, they control the government, They even appear to control the court, sad to say. I'm very worried about that. 
So we had these elaborate extravaganza like Alec Jones. These trials are show trials. Uh, they violate many different principles. They're talking about awards of judgment that far exceed the lim legal limits. It's all spectacular. I mean, can you imagine a billion dollars for expressing an opinion? I mean, this is just absurd beyond belief. And is it real, that, though? Say again? Is it real? No, no, I don't, I don't think it. Meaning, if you mean, is he ever going to be actually held to account? No, I don't think Alex Jones will even pay a nickel for any of this. I think it's totally fake. It's political theater. And there's a lot of it going on. Mm. A tremendous mm. amount of political theater taking place. So... Let's turn to the last of our extravaganzas, Las Vegas. No one was shot. It was a movie. They use a pre-recorded soundtrack of a machine gun firing, <laughs> added coordinated special visual effects of lights flashing. The concert crowd was seated with as many as 500 crisis actors. The FBI wiped the cell phones and laptops clean of every image. In other words, the participants who weren't in on it brought the FBI their cell phones and their laptops, and the FBI wiped them clean, Jeremy. Wiped them clean. Look at this and listen to it. Remember, according to the sheriff, the only shots that were fired were from the 32nd floor of a wing of the Mandalay Bay, the wing way off to the right here. We're now looking at footage of the center of the Mandalay Bay, the fourth floor. Get this. Well, it looks like I'm not going to be able to get it to play, Jeremy. I'm very sorry about that. But the fact is, you can see on the fourth floor, flash, 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 in coordination with the soundtrack of the machine gun firing. This is completely synthetic. It was put together fraudulently. We even have video of a guy stepping out in the crowd and firing. But while you can see the flash of his muzzle, there's no impact of any bullets because he's firing blanks. Get this, too. When I was on Facebook before I got the boot, one of my Facebook friends published. I contacted these three hospitals, all of which are the closest emergency facilities from the alleged shooting, Spring Valley Hospital, AMC Specialty Hospital, North Vista Hospital. I asked if they could check the registry for a gunshot victim taken there from the mass shooting at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. I received the same reply from each facility. There were no gunshot victims admitted to this facility. You may want to check with local police. One woman said, if you are referring to the crisis drill that everyone keeps calling about, then I'm sorry. There were no real gunshot victims. That was just a drill. If you don't believe me, call him yourself. She gave the number. I called him, Jeremy. I got the same answer from the first two, no, no gunshot victims were admitted that day. And the third simply said, you need to call the local police. She had been muzzled after stating that it had been just a drill. Wow. Meanwhile, here you see they were transporting bodies from a funeral home into an ambulance in order to be victims of the Las Vegas shooting. They're actually transporting bodies from a funeral home into an ambulance to present them as bodies, decedents from the shooting. Now, Intel Hub thought they'd seen a mini massacre at the Hooters in Las Vegas. There were 17 ambulances in front of Hooters. 
but there was also internal footage. And when you followed the footage, you had 17 crisis actors, each with their own sheet, waiting to be taken out as a stretcher as another victim of the Las Vegas mass murder. Jeremy, this is so uh, insulting, I can't begin to tell you. There's even footage where one of the directors had to get out and tell her couple to redo a scene because they didn't get it right, and she caught herself on the footage itself. I mean, how bad is that? Issues of identity. The case of Stephen Paddock. The same guy should have the same ears and the same height. So whose body was found dead in the suite on the 32nd floor? And whose body was subjected to an autopsy by the coroner? They also created fake footage, just as they did in Orlando, to cover gaps in the official story. Get this. Photo evidence proves a dead guy in the leaked photo is not Stephen Paddock. Photographic evidence available in the public domain suggests a dead guy in the leaked photo is not Stephen Paddock. No, this is not a joke. Let's take a closer look. Here are a few photos of the real Stephen Paddock. He's pictured with his friend, Lisa Crawford, who has nothing but good things to say about Paddock. But here's another picture. Take a close look at his ears in each case. Look at how his earlobes connect to his face, how smooth the transition is. See how the earlobes connect smoothly. Here you got a guy now. He's got upward turning earlobes. This is like the real Joe Biden, who likewise had upward turning earlobes, and the fake Joe Biden we have in the White House now. He has smooth connecting earlobes like this photograph of Stephen Paddock. Now notice there are shell casings scattered around my dear friend, Scott Bennett. Notice that some of those shell casings are for blanks. Others are for gas-propelled pellet guns. In other words, a prop master didn't realize how important it might be and just threw down a handful. So it's, it's not the same guy, Jeremy. And notice this, too. You got shell casings on top of the blood. But presumably he stopped shooting after he was dead, right? So after he's dead, the shell casing should be under the blood, but they're on top because they just threw it down as a prop. I mean, who is even going to notice? This conclusive evidence, a dead guy is in no way Stephen Paddock, not to mention the dead guy had a way leaner body mass. Body autopsied by doctor, likely not Stephen Paddock. Upon further investigation in Telehub, has determined the body autopsy by doctor was likely not the body of the alleged gunman. Here you see the height and weight, 73 inches at six foot three, weight 224, hair gray, eyes brown. But we get very different descriptions here. We have him 225, uh, uh, but his height is uh, different here. He does have brown hair and brown eyes, and he's He's 6'4". Well, I suppose you could argue about a one-inch difference. Meanwhile, they made up fake, fake video again. There was a question of how he got this arsenal of weapons in. Well, here you have a, a, a fake, fake video of him bringing the weapons in. And again, I'm sorry to say I'm unable to play it, Jeremy. But it has no date-time stamp. They just made this up as they did for Orlando. Here's more issues of identity. Las Vegas, the case of Jesus Campos. They changed the encounter. He is supposed to have gone to the suite where 
Stephen uh, Paddock was firing, and because he interrupted Paddock, he ceased firing. So that was the end of his shooting spree. But now they changed it to him having had an early encounter with Stephen Paddock, and that Stephen Paddock fired some 200 rounds at Jesus in the hallway. He was standing by for five interviews, Jesus was, but then simply disappeared. And lo and behold, he turned up on the set of MGM's Ellen DeGeneres show. This is pretty fascinating. Timeline change, raising question about hotel security. Las Vegas police defended changes in the timeline of the deadliest shooting in modern U.S. history, even as a flood of questions emerged following a sheriff's announcement, a security guard was struck by a bullet six minutes before, six minutes before the gunman fired on the packed concert crowd. So they've changed it completely. Officials had previously credited Compost, who was shot in the leg, was stopping the 10-minute assault by turning the gunman's attention to the hotel hallway where Combos was checking an alert for an open door in another guest room. One official said Monday that Paddock shot Combos before the mass shooting, and now they don't know why he stopped his attack. Now, get this, Combos shows up on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Now, let me say a few words about this. Ellen seemed a bit uneasy. There was no audience in the studio. More importantly... This, this Jesus Campos is much heftier. He's much larger than the real guy. Look at this. You got the real Jesus on the left. You got the guy on the Ellen DeGeneres show on the right. They're obviously not the same person. Not only that, but the guy they got who is the real or playing the role of Jesus Campos bears a striking resemblance to the husband in the shooting that occurred in San Bernardino. Look at the similarity. This is like Susan Bro and Donna Soto. They recycle crisis actors, Jeremy, all the time. They're even under contract. So this is where out in San Bernardino, this guy showed up before. And in San Bernardino, you had a whole lot of people wandering around aimlessly as that, though they had no idea what they were doing because they had no idea what they were doing. They were simply hired as extras on the set. Meanwhile, a security officer currently guarding Mandalay's Bay 32nd floor says he doesn't know and has never seen Jesus Compost. Jesus appears to be a complete creation of the media. And let me just mention, while he's on the Ellen DeGeneres show, the Ellen DeGeneres show is owned by MGM. The Mandalay Bay Hotel is owned by MGM. What does MGM do? It makes movies. This is totally fraudulent. There are all these glitches. They blew their cover. This is as bad as it gets. They actually have never heard of a Jesus compost. Meanwhile, there were no actual deaths. They had to fake them. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department crime rap shows no shooting incidents, none. The judge ordered the coroner to produce 58 autopsy reports. He has released 58 fake and incomplete reports from six different coroners. He just did a search. Only the alleged shooter, whoever he may be, appears to have been a genuine corpse. And of course, there actually was no genuine shooter, only the alleged, the body was already seen.
Mona Alexis Presley was able to track down the Metropolitan Police crime map. This was from like 8 p.m. the night of the shooting to 8 p.m. the following day. And look at the totality of incidents reported. Robbery, other disturbance, recovered motor vehicle, other disturbance, malicious destruction, burglary, stolen motor vehicle, burglary, assault and battery, other disturbance, assault and battery, assault and battery. Not a single shooting incident there. This is a time when we're supposed to have had the greatest mass shooting in American history. They even published the photographs and bio-sketches of the alleged victims. So, Mona went to work on it, and she discovered they were all based on persons who had died in different states or on different dates or for different causes of death when they weren't just merely Photoshop variations on one another. In other words, all 50 of these deaths were for persons who did not die in Las Vegas during the Mandalay Bay event. Moreover, the county coroner was under tremendous pressure to release autopsy reports. So what did he do? He gathered these autopsy reports from six different sources. He redacted the names, redacted there's no ballistics, and Maddox's autopsy report is being kept secret. I mean, this is absurd. There's no mention of ballistic data, bullet caliber trajectories, unbelievable. Here you have now the coroner releasing these incomplete fake autopsies Dan Cromer published. A district court judge on January 30th ordered the Clark County Coroner's Office to release the autopsy reports of mass shooter Stephen Paddock and the 58 people he killed in the October 1st Las Vegas massacre. It appears that the Clark County Coroner, John Fuddenberg, was not expecting this court order. And since nobody died in Las Vegas, he had no choice but to produce incomplete fake autopsies. The release of the autopsies raised even more questions concerning the integrity of the Clark County Coroner's office. First and foremost, the autopsies are woefully incomplete. It's a stretch to even call them autopsies. Aside from the obvious fact that victim names and case numbers have been redacted, there are numerous missing key elements, inconsistencies, and curiosities. The 58 autopsies do not include ballistics, photographs, diagrams, x-rays, histology, or toxicology reports. Why would the coroner's office not include this information, especially ballistics, in autopsy reports for the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual in the United States unless they had something to hide. Here we have a nice summing up. I survived crowds on demand. Researcher can't find anybody who died in Las Vegas massacre. Update. In the following video, Mike Alley courageously attempts to interview alleged Route 91 gunshot victim Michael Castor after transfer from Sunrise Hospital in Las Vegas to Craig Hospital in Inglewood, Colorado for rehab therapy due to an undisclosed medical issue. As a CBS interview revealed, there is no convincing evidence that Castor sustained a gunshot to his chest that penetrated his ribs, hit his spine, filled his lungs with blood while narrowly missing his heart. An injury from a machine gun an AK-47, a rifle allegedly used at Route 91, would require weeks of recovery before rehab could begin. And Jeremy, that's what we got.
It's just unbelievable, Jim. How how much of what we think is real is just not real? It's all fake, Jeremy. It's unbelievable how many events. We haven't been told the truth about JFK, about 9-11, about Wellstone, about Sandy Hook, about the Boston bombing, about Orlando and Dallas, about Charlottesville, about Parkland, about Las Vegas, or the more recent Buffalo and Uvalde. Those were also staged. The Buffalo was modeled after New Zealand, which was so amateurish the New Zealand government won't even allow you to have a copy of the video on your computer or you get a $10,000 fine. Uh, the Uvalde was based on Sandy Hook, but instead of having a, you know, ha- shooting his mother and then shooting 21st graders, he shot his grandmother and shot 19th, second, third, and fourth graders. And they even had a reprise by a teacher who played the role of another teacher who got shot at. Sandy Hook and killed now made a reprise at Uvalde. I'm telling you, Jeremy, the amount of bullshit shoveled by the government is simply mind-boggling. After we published Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, it was a FEMA drill to promote gun control, Mike Palachek suggested as a title for the sequel, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, which someone might say in hearing nobody died at Sandy Hook. And indeed, we didn't go to the moon. We didn't have the propulsion power. We didn't have the computer power. We could never have navigated the Van Allen radiation belt. We could not have communicated from the moon back to Earth. Indeed, a fellow in the industry at the time explained to me how in order to communicate in those days, you needed a van the size of a bread truck. No one witnessed a bread truck on the moon. And the fact is, there was no delay in the conversation with Houston when over 250,000 miles, there would have been an inevitable audio delay. It's as though they were speaking with someone right here on Earth, which in fact was the case. That's exactly what was going on. Thank you for joining me in the, in the trenches. You got it, Jeremy. Anytime. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.